0: Denver's Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan Presents, Stokely and Zach.
1: We've
0: got a really good vibe in here right now. The yeah. The sun
1: is out.
0: This is awesome. Yeah. It, is, it feels like March Madness is, is officially here. Yeah, it does. It does. It we, does. Were, we were in a bar before noon. Yeah. That always is a good day. Good times. Uh, come on down now that it, it is noon and, you know, now you cannot feel as bad about it. Yeah, you can feel better right? about <laughs> yourself. It says it's TM on the clock. <laughs> but no, this place is awesome. Hey, real quick. Yeah. We were talking about weird Colorado sports injuries. Yeah. And I got a tweet with a couple more. Uh, Brandon Marshall allegedly slipped on a McDonald's bag and put his hand through the glass of his entertainment center. Mm. Really unique set of circumstances there that That would lead to that event. And then back in the day, Joe Sackick missed significant time trying to clear out snow out of his snowblower. Oh, my gosh, I remember that story. I think he lost at least part of a digit in that. You know, it gets jammed up, and he was reaching in, and the blades were still going. That is a unique one, too. So, you know, the, the, that's a couple that I forgot as we were going over the odd injuries when we tried to figure out what actually happened to Gabe Landiscott.
1: Yeah, and that's why we got started on it, because Gabe, yeah. you know, the, the uh, um, Jared Bednar yesterday says you may not see him at all this year. Second surgery, unrelated to the first. It's like, wait, what? And when did the surgery happen? October? Why not July? Like, what the heck happened? So it, it, it got us going down this road, and one that I thought of that has a, a – an indirect tie to Denver sports but coming up in New York State like it's unique because like you guys watch Melo so hyper closely for what eight years or whatever it was yep eight eight plus okay and then he picks up and moves to, to my state at the time and he played basketball at Syracuse, so people already loved Mello. And they had this they had this team that was really freaking good. I forget how much games they won. It felt like 50. But uh, 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 Melo's teammate with the Knicks was Amare Stoudemire. And I remember it was like after a game, he was like upset and punched a fire extinguisher glass and shredded his hand and needed stitches and missed a bunch of time in like a window where they were supposed to win. So
0: I think it was m- maybe even during the playoffs. Um, so yeah, you can add that to the list. Yeah, man, and that's just one where you let the heat of the moment get to you. We've all probably done something dumb like that, right? Like you, it, back in the day, John Tudor, in a wor- pitcher for the Cardinals in the World Series, got mad after a bad outing and punched like a fan, not a cheerer, but like, somebody cheering, but like yeah, a f- like the fan that you, if you talk through yeah, it, you can yeah, sound like yeah. you know Darth Vader. He punched the fan, cut up his hand, and was out for the rest of the postseason. Incredible. Like, you know, come on, but yeah, there's there's and, and been by the a few way, of them here. By the way, I just researched
1: it. Why why we're here having this conversation? It was smack dab in the middle of the playoffs. <laughs> They're in a playoff series with the Miami Heat. Uh, like, dude, you can't do that. No, like you can't no, do that. No. So and, anyhow, sorry, I had to do a anyway, little bit of house cleaning. All, all goody. Um, okay. Let's have a conversation that I really wanted to uh, have yesterday. We just got going with so much stuff, uh, we didn't get to have it. And uh, you hear his voice. is James Merrill from DenverSports.com filling in for Stoke today. Stoke will be back tomorrow. What would define success in the Russell Wilson era? Before we get to the renewed conversation, how would you have answered that question one year and one day ago, as Tuesday, March 8th, was the day that Russell Wilson was announced to the Broncos.
0: I would have answered it, and I, and I remember answering the question, and I was uh, I had a lower bar than everybody else. And I think your normal co-host, Brandon Stokely, was all over me for it. But it was not, hey, you got to win multiple Super Bowls. To some extent, once you get to the playoffs, it's not a total crapshoot, but kind of a crapshoot. Right? Like, the Jim Kelly era in Buffalo wasn't a failure because he didn't win a Super Bowl. If Peyton hadn't won Super Bowl 50, that wouldn't have been a failure. That's like the ultimate example because it's the last right. game. If you don't
1: win that last 60-minute football game, how would you describe the the run in Denver? Yeah. Pretty amazing.
0: An amazing four-year run. You win four consecutive AFC West titles. You go to two Super Bowls. You didn't win a Super Bowl. Still was a success. So it's not win a Super Bowl. But let's use the Peyton era. They were a legit contender every year yep. not a hey in, in uh, December and early January you're on the in the hunt graphic no 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 it's a you're in you, it, 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 is it going to be home field advantage right uh, you're going to maybe have to go on the road for the AFC title game like that kind of conversation so I think from here on out they have to be a playoff team and for a majority of those years and I don't know if this is fair to say for this year I think they're going to be you have to be a legit contender That's what I think will define success. Because if you're a legit contender. But but, but how would you define legitimate contender? You're winning 11, 12 games. You're playing uh, most of your playoff games at home. I would define it like the Peyton Manning era, where they were the one seed or the two seed every single year. That's going to be tough in this division, but that's how I would look at it. Buffalo was a legit contender this year. Cincinnati was a legit contender this year. Kansas City was. That was it. The Chargers weren't. The Jaguars weren't. Those were the AFC teams that I considered legit contenders. You know when you see it. That's how, I would, that's how I would describe it. They need to be in that realm for the Russell Wilson, Sean Payton era to be a success. Because otherwise, why did you trade away all those assets for a head coach and a quarterback? So um, You didn't do it to be 9 and 8. Yeah, I, th- I think you're, uh, we're, we're going
1: to end up disagreeing here the l- longer we go down this road. But, but I will say this. I asked specifically about Russell. And you said Russell Wilson, Sean Payton. I think those might be two very different eras.
0: Could be. Could be. I don't think he's on a one-year deal. He is on a one-year. I think he's on a two-year thing. They're not eating eighty-five million dollars of cap space, James. They're not paying one hundred sixty-one million dollars guaranteed before he ever plays a down of that contract, James. They're, they're not. They,
1: they will be looking for re- They will be re-
0: looking for reasons to go down the road with. They're Russell. going to
1: Dollar General on Monday when free agency starts. They ain't eating that. Uh, hold on. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. They will be looking for reasons to go down the road for at least one more year with Russ after this one. And, yeah, and they they may have a. Magnifying glass in their back pocket to look for those reasons, uh, and I hope that's not the case. I hope it's very obvious to Don't all worry of us. About it. I, I hope it's very obvious <laughs> to all of us that it was just this really like, hold on, let's just address this. If Russell Wilson bounces back and goes back to the Seattle form, which you, you are, are, are predicting yes, we're talking about one of the most unique, disrupted arcs in NFL history. Like we have not seen a quarterback have a nine-year run without blemishes. Like, no quarterback in NFL history won more games in the first 10 years than Russell Wilson, and only Peyton Manning threw more touchdowns in the first 10 years than any quarterback. The next on the list is Russell Wilson. So you have unprecedented success. And then the most bottom-out failure and the most disappointing Broncos season that we've ever had, arguably, if he bounces back up and he's throwing 35 touchdowns, we're looking at – the 2022 season as this anomaly black hole season that I can't think of another quarterback that would it would look like that. You can say Kurt Warner, maybe that'd be one that would jump to mind. Because Kurt Warner played in he the didn't Super have Bowl, a ten
0: year run with the Rams. He though. did
1: not. It was it was abbreviated, and then he was a non starter with the yeah. New York Giants, yeah. and then ends up with the Cardinals and brings them to a Super Bowl. That's similar, but we wouldn't be able to find something. I don't think quite like this with a Hall of
0: Fame career. Off the top of my head, I'm not coming up with one. I mean, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers last year was not very good. There have been some that have had down years, but you're you're right. You're right. I, I, it, it would be unusual, but how many Hall of Fame quarterbacks got traded after ten years and got saddled with arguably the most incompetent coaching staff in franchise history? Yeah, no, that, I don't even know if that's
1: arguable. I think they were. That would be a huge part of the story because at least you would have like really low hanging fruit to identify. Why this thing was so bad. I mean, Zach, they had to bring in
0: Jerry Rosberg. Week three. Off of his dock on week three. Week three. That's how bad it was. Yes. So, uh, you know, if people think that's hyperbolic to say, oh, it's the worst coaching staff in the history of the franchise. Like, no, they had to do unbelievably unprecedented things. They fired a guy after 15 games. What was it yesterday? You said it's the
1: fifth shortest take? Yes, yes, because I don't count George Allen or Bill Parcell because Parcell, uh, or uh, excuse me, um, Belichick because Belichick. Belichick never, never coached it was a game. Like a day. And George Allen had already coached the team years before and came back with the Rams and was fired in preseason because he had a disagreement with the GM. Yeah, so to me. From a utilitarian, you never coached the team. Yeah,
0: That doesn't count for Yeah, me. you didn't coach a regular season game. Belichick, for sure. He never had training camp, never even met the guys. Right. Like that, one, that one doesn't count. He technically had the job on paper. Right, so, so a lot of his articles have it as, like, the seventh
1: quickest fired. Yeah. But in reality, if it's you, you're using your brain, it's the fifth. And how many of those
0: were guys who walked away, right? Like, Lou Holtz walked away. Correct. Uh, was it Nick Saban in the Nick, first year? Yep, Nick walked Saban away. walked away. So the, how many of them got fired? He's even on a shorter list yeah. at that point. Belichick yeah. walked away. Way, um, if you wanted to count that. So anyhow, I think Bobby I, Petrino was maybe on that list as yep, well. I think. Yep. So I do think that was. I think that was a vast majority of the issue. I do. I hope you're right. So my expectations for Russell Wilson have not changed. They have not. And you guys, I, I, you know, I know you, you, and you're right when you say, well, they were they were too few and far between. You're right, but we did see flashes last year, right? We saw late game drives to win games. We saw big-time passes in the final game of the year. We saw the 20-yard read option touchdown run at Kansas City late in the year. Like, we saw signs of, like, all right, well, the guy can still do it. And it's not Drew Locke where it was, hey, we saw flashes, less than we saw out of Russ, but we saw flashes. But we had never seen him do it over the course of an entire season. We've seen Russ do it for 10 seasons. Yeah. And we saw flashes last year that he can still do it. So, to me, there's no reason, if you still have it physically, which the throw to Jerry Judy and the touchdown run at Kansas City tells me he still has it physically. If you still have it physically, why can't you still do it over the course of a season when you've done it before? You have that in you. That's why I'm uber optimistic about next year when it comes to Russell Wilson.
1: Well, uh, you are um, among the most optimistic. And I, I, I said this to you yesterday. I'm used to being in that boat. That, that's who you are, right? You're dynamic. <laughs> I think that the truth is ultimately going to lie somewhere in between. That's where I'm at. Do I think that Russell Wilson is going to get back to throwing 40 touchdowns like he did in Seattle, 35 touchdowns? No, I don't. I don't know if he's going to be asked to play that role, uh, given the early sort of tea leaves from Sean Payton. I think he might be uh, more of a an accessory to the offense as opposed to, you know, and he's playing quarterback, so I'm well, not that's trying an to. an expensive accessory, too. Uh, uh, well, James. I mean, wow. James, don't forget, we're talking about a guy who threw 16 touchdowns. They're talking about a guy who threw less okay. touchdowns than Andy Dalton and Justin Fields. Like, to just reduce it. To, uh, who, who gets more credit, Tom Brady or Bill Belichick? I'll answer my own question. Tom so Brady, Brady does. He's the one out there. He's the one touching the football. He's the one delivering passes. So if I'm going to give Tom Brady the lion's share of credit over Bill Belichick, I'm just going to totally absolve Russell Wilson, the guy who's no. actually playing and the I'm games? And I'm not
0: absolving him of it either. And he created some of the mess. It's still the people who allowed him to. But let me just put it to you this way. What would shock you more? In 2023, Russell Wilson throws for 40 touchdowns or Russell Wilson throws for 16, assuming he's healthy. What would shock you more? What would shock me more is him throwing 40 touchdowns. More than being 16 again? I just
1: watched him throw 16 in 2022. Oh, OK. And, and, uh, and I mean, and that combined with the I context 180 of 180 degrees. Hold on, the other hold on, hold on. That that let me let me provide more context. Is Sean Payton going to ask him to do uh, uh, some of the things that um, maybe that's too heavy handed, too much on his plate? I think he's going to try to reduce this thing down to its simplest form. I think so too, but that doesn't mean he's going to throw less touchdowns. No, James. I don't believe he's gonna throw sixteen touchdowns. You ask me to pick forty or sixteen, and I'll yeah. say I'll go with the one that I just watched him do. You
0: think it's good more likely to be pegged on E than pegged on F.
1: No, I think it's gonna be somewhere in between, which is what I'm saying. Like it doesn't have to be all or nothing. I, I know. Think, is it gonna be as bad as sixteen? No. Is it gonna be as good as forty? No. Okay. It, can you can you get to can you get to twenty three, twenty-four Let's touchdowns pick- and cut down the interceptions at the most brutal moments of
0: football games? Okay, the middle of those two numbers is twenty eight. What side of 28 is the needle? Left or right? Um, okay. So you're asking me It's got to be his over-under, too. It's got to be right about there because the, the amount of time you had to think about it. I think it's going to be lower. It's because it's a good number.
1: I, I think it's going to be lower. It is a good number. But I think his touchdown total, like for his prop for the season, will be like 25 and a half oh, or something sprint, like that. Sprint to the window. So hold on. Here's context, though. Here's context. Well, maybe skip. That's how excited <laughs> you should be. Skip to the window. Um Russell has missed time in each of the last two years for the first time in his career. Yeah. So, with this exercise, I'm assuming good health. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, we I'm have assuming- to. We have to. Right. And I think you miss, a g- if you miss more than two games, you
0: had bad health. Okay, okay. He and played 15 games. And right. this is a guy who never missed a game for a decade. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think expecting him to play all 17... 17- is at his age and behind what's going to be a patchwork
1: offensive see, line see, and, and, and is a bit much? And that's the other direction is like I don't know where sixty percent of this offensive line is coming from. So you're asking me in the uh, second week of March, I want to answer, it, but I, but I also want to provide a preface that like sure. this is not clear situation. Um, on the left or right of twenty eight is the question, right? Correct, because that's the number that's in between forty, his highest, yeah. and sixteen, his
0: lowest. Yeah. Um, what's he closer to? Is he closer to Seattle Russ or Nathaniel Hackett Russ? You know where he's gonna be. Um,
1: I'll say. I'll say. Uh, it's I mean, If you're forcing me to decide, I'll say it's somewhere between uh, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven. So <laughs> I'll go. On so so I'll, I'll go. I'll go just
0: under it. Okay. All right. I, because I, I think he's going to be significantly right of it. I do. If he's healthy, um, and you're, you're right, there is context to it. Like we're assuming they do something to fix the offensive line. We're assuming. They bring in somebody to play running back until Javante Williams is healthy. Like, that offense, and it was part of the argument I kept making last year, like, he didn't have a whole heck of a lot around him. Once Sam Patrick went down, another failing by George Payton, that happened in August. It did. You had plenty of time to figure out another uh, alternative there. Yeah, that's a bummer, but you're $12 million under the cap at the time or whatever it was. Go bring in somebody else and fix fix that need. But when you're out there, if he's out there playing a lot of games with with all due respect, Kendall Hinton and Brandon Johnson and Freddie Swain, he ain't throwing for 30 touchdowns. But if it's Jerry Judy, healthy Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton, Kareem Hunt, or whoever they get to play running back, they draft somebody that turns into Alvin Kamara 2.0, then yeah, I think he can be
1: very successful. Yeah, I, look, you're not talking crazy. I mean, I think when you start, if you start talking about 40 touchdowns again, I think that's just way too bullish for, for me to I'm not, I'm not saying 40. I just think it's more likely there than 60. Yeah, yeah, no, right. Um, I hope that you're right, uh, obviously. Going back to the initial question, what is the expectation for Russell Wilson and how is it different from a year ago? You're you're, you're you're blowing through the yellow light. You don't care what you saw this past year. It's the same thing as it was a year ago. Correct. And that's be in the playoffs every year and be considered a contender. A just, legit contender. Despite not having, like, a clear definition for that. You know it when you see you it. You know it, like when you see it. You're a contender. Okay. Um, do you want to ask me?
0: <laughs> Zach. Um, are we just doing Russ or are <laughs> we doing Sean Payton, too? Just Russ, right? Yeah. Zach, how would you define – now a, a year and one day later, <laughs> if you had to define success for Russell Wilson, how would you define it? And has it changed from a year? <laughs> no. See, this How'd is, I do, this is why you're the best, James. <laughs>
1: um, a year ago, I I believe I said, and I'm trying to recall, just like you did. Like, okay, yeah. what specifically did I say? It was uh, you, you got to play in a Super Bowl. Okay, playing in a Super Bowl is so playing hard. More playing a Super Bowl is so hard. You can be one of the great teams that we've seen and not win a Super Bowl. Um, and you use the Bills example. I think that's probably the most prominent example. Like, who goes to four straight Super Bowls? Like, that's insane. Yeah. Um, you didn't win one. Is it, is it a failure? Like, ask ourselves this, if the Broncos went to the next four Super Bowls straight, would that be a failure if they didn't win one? No. It'd be disappointing as heck. <laughs> it'd be all-time disappointment. But it would not be a failure. Right, play, Those are different things. Playing at the zenith of American sports when yeah. 125 million people watch your game, like that's that's pretty awesome. Um, I can't go there, though. I can't go you there. You don't think that's the expectation anymore? I, I can't go there anymore because of two things. One, Russell isn't... He wasn't even close to what I thought that we were getting. And even if you raise the bar and you, and you got the Sean Payton bump, and let's just say he's throwing 28 touchdowns again. Let's just go there. He's throwing yep, he's, right at the he, middle middle mark. Yep, he's flirting with 30 touchdowns. This league changes so fast, and the AFC specifically has changed so fast in the last three years that the teams and rosters – in their own division, that the Broncos will have to go through. Let alone the Cincinnati Bengals, the Buffalo Bills, the you know fill-in-the-blank AFC teams that are on the come-up. Throw, throw the Jacksonville Jaguars no. in there. Okay, I mean sure. they're they're just just the AFC right now. The team Russ beat this year. Uh, uh, (laughs) The AFC right now feels like almost the Western Conference for like the 15 years of the NBA from like 2000 through, you know, whatever it was. Yeah, It just feels like, man, the best team in that conference is going to win it, um, even if it doesn't always happen. But I look at teams like the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Jags, uh, the Bengals, the Bills, the Jets, who are all ascending. And I look at, you know, we make these conversations so much about the quarterback, and rightfully so, but the Broncos roster. They need a franchise quarterback in Russ, and they need a franchise general manager to build this football team. And I just have serious – I might have more doubts about the second one than I have about Russell Wilson. Well, you should.
0: You should. And and look, am I going to say Russell Wilson is not a worry? No. That would be – I would be delusional. Like, I watched what we all watched. I saw it. So even though I'm bullish on him, even though I think he's going to be closer to Seattle Russ or back to Seattle Russ – I'm not going to tell you I'm not worried about it, that I'm not like, oh, my gosh, if he's that guy again, this is an unmitigated disaster. So I am. I will say this, though. I think he's the least of the Broncos' worries. I think they have a bunch of other concerns that are higher on the list than Russell Wilson. Doesn't mean he ain't on the list because he is, but I have confidence in the fact that that guy's going to get it right. We talked about it yesterday. We saw it for 10 years, and then we saw it for two games. It's not just a two-game sample size at the end of the year. It's that, hey, that looks like the guy we watched for 10 years. That looks like the guy we thought we were trading for. Okay, then let's be optimistic that he can be that an entire season. Still worried about it. I still want to see it. I still want to see how he gets along with his teammates. How does he mesh with Sean Payton? Does he actually come in and in in shape? All those things. But I'm more worried about what's the offensive line going to be? Who's going to put any pressure on the opposing quarterback? Um, this front seven may be the worst front seven in, in on any roster in football. Uh, you know who's going to block for him? Who's going to be the running back? Like there are a lot of other questions. Can Jerry Judy actually turn into a, a star receiver and be a number one? Yeah. Does Tim Patrick come back? Out? I mean, there there are so
1: the many questions are insane. And 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 you're asked, and we're talking about big picture like contender. Like you know when you see it, look at the teams that we're playing on. Forget the Super Bowl. Look at divisional weekend. Look at those rosters in Jacksonville and Kansas City and Philly and Buffalo and Cincinnati and San Francisco. Like, go up and down those rosters. Like, And this is why the drafting that we did a week ago I think was, was a useful exercise, is Russell is probably not the version of uh, his former self where he lifts all the boats. He's the tide that lifts all the boats. That tide is going to need to be raised, in, like, with Russ. And I don't have enough evidence from a roster standpoint with a declining Russ, even if he gets a couple ticks back to closer to where he was in 2020 or 2021, to forecast, like, to be talking Super Bowls, and even if you build the roster over a two-, three-year period, if you get it to where it needs to be, is that intersecting with Russ two-, three-years from now? Yeah, that's that's why I had to have serious doubts about where my mindset was a year ago compared to where it is now. Because of Russell? And a five-win roster.
0: They're once again out of sync. They have a win-now quarterback and a win-down-the-road roster. Yeah. And I I think the, the questions about George Payton are legit. Like, he gets so much credit for drafting Pat Sertan. Great player. He is a great player. It's the ninth overall pick. You shouldn't get a standing ovation for making a layup. Right. You just shouldn't. Right. And he, he himself called him the safest player in the draft. Right. Those are George Payton's words. And you also passed on Justin Fields and Micah Parsons,
1: uh, Rashawn Slater. Justin Fields, who the Bears are not moving on from when right. they have the
0: number one overall pick. But by right. their actions, that tells you a lot of well. And the trickle-down effect of had you drafted Justin Fields that night, where this team would be right now, because you hadn't traded away a bunch of picks. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Yeah. So his one good pick... I will even give him credit for Javante Williams. Javante Williams was a good pick. It's unfortunate he got hurt. Yeah, I do think that is one of the very underrated moments that derailed the season. They were two and one and winning that game when he got hurt. Completely agree. So completely agree. That, and I'm not, I'm not as high on Javante Williams as you are, but I'm still really high on him. But now it's like, well, I don't know what he's, I don't know what he's going to be. Right. Nobody does. Right. Other than that, it's a bunch of maybes. And last year's draft is looking more and more like, wow. That looks like one of those Elway years where was he at the golf course just pulling names out of a hat? And the first one in 2021 was about half good and about half bad. So how is George Payton going to rebuild this? I don't know, but he's got until May 1st to show he's capable of doing this job. Otherwise, that guy isn't going to be on the hottest of seats in
1: Denver. And and, and I don't even know if, if a good draft is going to save him. Because, Maybe not. Because... The sins of the past are going to be on the football field again in front of Sean Payton. And I don't think Sean Payton has been frustrated with George Payton because... Uh, his rear end hasn't been being judged in front of the world with George Payton's ingredients. Yeah, let's see. Let's let's see what the vibe is between. Let's see if they're wearing out the track between the offices. Um, if Randy Gregory's not available, if Javante Williams isn't available, if Tim Patrick doesn't come back the same, if Cortland looks like the Cortland of the last two years, mm-hmm. if Jerry mm-hmm. Judy continues to be in yeah, like you could keep uh, Judy's not really on his on his watch. That's an way pick, but you see what I'm saying, like. These things can mount up on game days, and he might be looking
0: up at that booth, that general manager's booth, like, what did you give me, dude? Drafts have been mediocre. Trades have been terrible. Free agents, I would say, have been about half and half, right? For every sure. Randy Gregory, there's sure. a DJ Jones. Sure, yep. Uh, Alex Singleton was a good signing. Yes, it was. Ronald Darby probably overpaid for it. Like, it's it's a mixed bag. Yeah. But none of them are above a C. Those three categories? Drafts, free agency, and trades? Not an aggregate. A C is his best grade. He probably has a C, a C, and a... D-minus. We, we disagree
1: on a lot. We agree uh, on that one. Alright, we're live from Slattery's uh, Pub here in the uh, Landmark within the Tech Center. It's got a great vibe. This place is filled up. We've got basketball conference tournaments on all the TVs. Uh, we have CSU and CU beginning in just over a half hour from now. We've got to talk about what we're going to do here uh, during a break because we know we're not standing idly by here. No, no, no. Um, We've got to
0: make it interesting.
1: So if you want to come by, we're going to be here uh, before 2 o'clock. There's still room for you. Uh, come by and say Hello. Alright, the NBA MVP conversation this past week got really weird, and I think it's actually in the head of the MVP himself. Hang tight, we'll discuss
0: it next. You're listening to Stokely and Zach on Tenver Sports Station, 1043 The Fan.
1: Conversation took a really bizarre twist last week uh, with the uh, Kendrick Perkins um, making Nikola Jokic's MVP case about race uh, and ignoring the basketball portion of it to to a large degree, uh, and then he talks about moving the goalpost and then moves them in such an absurd way. Calls Jokic a stat patter. Um, then comes on and says, no, I was talking about all NBA players, stat padding, which wasn't the case. That's what he said. And then two days later, he said um, 80% of the MVP voters are white, and Jokic gets preferential treatment like Steve Nash and Dirk Nowitzki, you know, two of the greatest players we've ever seen. Then ESPN has to come. I don't know if you saw this. ESPN has to come on the air the next day and apologize and say that it's not eighty twenty. It's actually way more diverse than that.
0: And so, so and then yesterday he was yelling about facts. Yeah, sorry. I'll let you go through yes. the whole run up. But he he had a big fact wrong. But okay.
1: Yeah, it was it was a massive fact as he screamed and b- being loud doesn't make you right. No, like. But there's some circles where you just, if you yell out enough, like you get to walk away at least with a draw. It's actually usually evidence that you're wrong. Correct. Of course it is. Of course it is. So be that as it is, okay? Jokic answered a uh, question um, and used the phrase stat padding in one of his responses within the last week. Houston game. Yeah, the Houston game. So he's hearing the chatter and tried to use it as uh, maybe a joke and provide some yeah. levity. Hey,
0: it, was, no, it was a funny quip.
1: It yeah, was. it was. It was. It was. But then it got racial last week. And in the three games since then, I don't know what's going on, but I've watched almost every single possession of Jokic's last six seasons. And what we've seen the last three games, and really specifically in the last two games, where he took eight total shots against the Raptors, seven other Denver Nuggets took more shots than the reigning MVP. And then last night looked like he was literally – Again, I, I'm, I'm being a little hyperbolic, but not that much. If you watch the game, it looked like he was trying to sabotage possessions. It just, did, just chucking up threes. Jokic doesn't take nine threes. No, no, I think he was frustrated with the night and
0: with the Nuggets' offense. They were also down like 15 in the yeah. fourth, and you got to come back and with you know threes at that point. Yeah, so.
1: but then on the heels of that, in the post game, he called the MVP conversation unhealthy. James, maybe I'm going armchair psychiatrist. And I can't blame him if this following statement's
0: true. It looks like this stuff is in his head. Oh, I think it definitely is in his head. I, I think if he could take himself out of the conversation and not be in the MVP race, he would sign up for that in a heartbeat. I, I don't think he, I truly don't think he cares about the award. I think it's nice to win it, and I think someday he'll care about it. You know, when he's 50 and he's talking to his grandkids or whatever and saying, I, I want back-to-back MVPs. Do I think he cares about it now? No, I don't. And so if he could just be out of the conversation and not be talked about by Kendrick Perkins and J.J. Reddick going back and forth and not lead to shouting discourse and, you know, clips that get put on social media that everybody watches and they go viral, yeah, I think he'd love to be not involved with that. Yeah. And it almost feels like he's sabotaging himself. The other thing of it is confidence is a quirky thing. And when you have it, man... and. It, basket, it's, to me, there's two sports, well, three. Baseball is pretty big with it. Golf is a huge one. Massive. And basketball is another one. Like oh, yeah. When you're confident and you think your shot's going to go and you, you just see the floor differently and he just looks like a guy who, I don't think he believes what Kendrick Perkins said, but I think Kendrick Perkins saying it diminishes Jokic's accomplishments to some degree. And just just depending on who hears it, to a different degree. Yeah, and I think it sort of tears down a little bit and wears down a little bit on, on his confidence because he just doesn't look like the same guy. And it's three games, small sample size, but the correlation between when Kendrick Perkins said that and it turned into a controversy and the three worst games he's played all season. Yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard not to see that. It, it, it's hard not to connect those dots. But he just looks like a guy. I. I to think he's sabotaging his own MVP candidacy, I won't go there. I, I'm more apt to say he just looks like a guy who's had his confidence chipped away out of it. Well,
1: I, I don't know. Um, it's hard to not be confident if you're not shooting the ball. Like, like, like he hasn't seen a bunch of shots not go in. I know. Like, but... and, and that's the tricky part about this. Like, he hasn't struggled from a basketball standpoint to have his confidence shaken. And if someone on first take is rattling your confidence, right? I that's, think that's kind of disturbing. I, that's why my panic meter's at eight. Okay, I, I, I can't, I can't go there. And, but I respect your opinion on it. Um, uh, what to do with this one? It's last night he shot under fifty percent for the first time in like four months. He had the third longest streak in NBA history of shooting fifty percent or more, and we saw it come to an end. And we agree. I don't think it's an accident that's on the heels of, of uh, all this nonsense, all this noise.
0: Really, yeah. And it's it just—it it clearly is getting to him. Um, it's unfortunate because that now becomes part of the narrative. To think it won't impact the voting, I think is naive. See, I, I agree
1: with you there as well. Unfortunately, and I can't believe that's true. But it's—I I think it will impact well, the voting.
0: In, in are the votes aren't public. Right or do you or are they are they out there and everybody can see who you voted for? some people put them out there, yeah, I'm trying to remember if they do make them public or not give me a second but if if you're a voter and your vote could be public, there are going to be a certain number of people in two in two extremes, and I think both of them are wrong. there are going to be a certain number of people, and this is the really wrong category who are offended by Kirk, Kendrick Perkins comments and they say, heck with it, I'm vote now I'm going to vote for Jokic. that's that's wrong. There are a certain percentage of people. The voting is public. Okay. So there are a certain percentage of people who are gonna say, you know what? I don't wanna be accused of that. It's just a heck of a lot easier to vote for Giannis or Embiid and not have that not have that flat come my way. That's it. Well 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 let's just be on in, in, in the climate that we're living in,
1: one of the last things that anyone wants to be called is a racist. Right. And if if people on the national stage are building a framework that that's what it could be and you could avoid it by simply staying away from it, again, I'll use the word you just used three minutes ago. To think that that couldn't come into
0: play is naive. Uh, Exactly. And it shouldn't, but I do think it's going to impact it. And it reminds me of the 1988 Olympics. I like to get my... Wayback Machine? Sure. So Roy Jones Jr., Junior. one of the greatest boxers of all time, was in the gold medal bout in whatever classification. Yeah, he was I remember in. this story because we, we talked about this a few years ago. And he dominated. It was in Seoul. The Olympics were in Seoul. It was in Seoul, Seoul right, He dominated. He oh, was going goodness. against the South Korean boxer. Yeah. And there are three judges, and they didn't want the hometown guy to lose, a, you know, unanimous, a 3-0 decision. So one of them decides, you know what, I'll, I'll I'll vote for that guy, even though he didn't win, to try and make it not look as bad. Problem was, two of the three had the exact same thought process. Right. And Roy Jones Jr. went home with the silver medal. People make decisions based on other uh, things other than the evidence and the facts and the information right in front of them all the time. I think to think that some voters wouldn't have... This whole controversy imp- not impact their their vote. I, I just think that that yeah that's that's naive. That's not the real world. Yeah,
1: and and just house clean. That was the nineteen eighty eight yeah. Olympics. Oh yeah, yeah. So you said nineteen eighty. Uh, no, it was nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, yeah nineteen eighty eight. We didn't go to eighty. Uh, right, right, that was Moscow. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, uh, almost everyone agrees. All these years later, that uh, that that fight was stolen uh, from from Roy Jones Jr. Uh, good reference. Good analogy. Uh, hopefully, this thing. Hopefully this thing just kind of simmers down, um, but I, I, I have a feeling we're we're one tweet we're one we're one segment away from someone stoking the flames, um, and I hope Jokic here in this next game against the Spurs and m- moving forward develops a middle finger
0: attitude to everyone he, he in the to. NBA. That's why my concernometer is in an eight because he doesn't have the middle finger attitude. And that's how you have to be in the playoffs, especially when you have to go on the road in the playoffs. It's a team that was able to come back from 3-1 deficits in the bubble because yeah. you didn't have to go on the road and deal with hostile crowds. Well, I, I, I hope he's like, hey, you, you want stat pattern? Watch this. Watch if, this. If, if he doesn't win the MVP, though, will there not be a part of you that says, oh, he got it stolen from him? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And obviously, depending on how he finishes
1: year he's got right. it. But, but yes, yes. Yes. All right, we're live at uh, Slattery's Pub here in the Tech Center. If you want to come by, say hello. uh, There's still room for you. uh, But there is a a, a really nice crowd in here. The vibes are great. The sun is out if you want to eat in the sun. The games uh, are on TV. we got CU and CSU going to be kicking off here uh, any second. Both CU and CSU won their first round games in their conference tournament. Who's got the better shot to advance here today? We'll have that conversation coming up next.
0: Zach on Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan.
1: We are just a few minutes away from CU and CSU continuing uh, their basketball seasons. Yesterday, uh, CU beat Washington. It was about a coin flip um, expectation, James. Um, Our friends at Superbook had it it as like a one or two point spread. I think it was the 8-9 game, both 16 and 15 going into it. Okay, so that makes sense. Yeah. Um, CU beat Washington 74-68 in a really good basketball game. Uh, our friends up in Fort Collins, or I should say, I don't know if you
0: have friends up in Fort Collins. Uh, I, I don't know that I'm allowed in Fort Collins.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they have your face on the exit <laughs> <Yeah>. ramp. <laughs> yeah. Stop this There's man! You see <laughs> well, CSU uh, hung on to beat Fresno State, sixty-seven, sixty-five. So both of our teams and uh, uh, Air Force lost uh, to UNLV yesterday. So their season ends in the Mountain West tournament. So. Our two teams here, uh, CU and CSU, both get out of their first round, and they both have really tough tests today. I mean, really yeah. tough. San Diego State, who's the 20th ranked team in the country, uh, the Aztecs are going to play CSU today in about 15 minutes. If you're li- or less than that, if you're listening in real time and not after the fact on the Stokely and Zach podcast, available at denversports.com or wherever you get your podcast. CU you, UCLA. CSU versus
0: San Diego State. Who's got it rougher today? CU. UCLA is the second-ranked team in the country. That's a that's a tough matchup. San Diego State's really good, too, but uh, I'm going to say CU has it tougher. Although, I think CU has a better team than CSU, so I, they can I probably agree. hang a little bit better. They're both going to get beat. So, yes, you were me during the break what I did. I picked both of them to lose, and then I threw the abs in to win to save the day for Colorado sports teams. I just I don't see a way that either one of those teams win it. What kind of favorite are the Abs tonight? They got the Kings, right? Yeah, they, they were slight. It was it was under two. They were under two hundred. So okay, like, okay. That that brings it back up to where I'm not just you know treading water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the way. That was the way I was able to. And also, just to save my mood at the end of the day. I mean, I'll be happy when San Diego State wins. I'm not going to lie. But then when CU loses, I'll be ticked. Yeah, get the Abs to. Continue like rolling it. after the six-zero win, and
1: so it's an all Colorado featured parlay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, let me just guess. You, you did you did money lines or you like? I just did money lines. Yeah. Okay. So I'm about, uh, it's like, um, uh, is it like ten dollars wins you fifteen. Uh, you know, I don't think it's even that good. Okay, I think it's like ten okay. wins, like twelve. Okay, okay, okay. So, forty one went one to one. I agree with you. CU has got a uh, th- their work cut out for them. Uh, Jamie Jack, uh, um, uh, uh, Jack Wes, a Junior, uh, Jalen Clark, Tyler Campbell. Those guys are awesome for UCLA. They have experience. Mick Cronin was named Pac-12 Coach of the Year. Um, I don't know if you saw that yesterday. So they're well coached. Fourteen. You actually nailed it. Okay, good job. Okay, thanks. Um, UCLA is just as tough as they get. UCLA could go to the Final Four. Heck, UCLA was in the Final Four two years ago. So they're really good. It's going to be a really tall task for CU. But CU just pushed the Bruins,
0: uh, I think it was last weekend. They did in Boulder. Yeah, CU had a, le- a late lead and then just faded down the stretch. The yep. last couple minutes of that game were a painful watch. You know these the, these marquee programs. It's amazing how quickly they can turn it around. Well, not it long ago, UCLA wasn't any good. No, they were. And then running yeah. Alford out of town. That's right. You know, people look now. North Carolina's having a down year. Duke's having a down year. Those, uh, Kentucky's has had a couple. It's like, man, those things can turn it around quick. One that I'm not sure it's going to turn around. And I didn't know this. Did you see Louisville's record this year? They are. They started the year like 0 and 14. They're like four and 27. Yeah. Like, Louisville, not only with Patino, but if you go back to Denny Crum, yeah, they've been one of the 15 best programs in college basketball history. Yep. To fall to that point, wow. And I don't know that that one's turned around. Like, if Kentucky's down, you know, you bring in Calipari, and he can turn it around. Duke, North Carolina, whatever. Right? You know, they, who's the guy that was there before Roy Williams in Carolina, oh, former huh? player? Matt Doherty? Matt, Matt Doherty, yes. Roy Williams comes in. Year two, boom, they're good. Yep. If Bill self-retires and they hire the wrong guy and Kansas is down for a couple of years, they'll be back and be a top-five team within a season or two. The Louisville one, for whatever reason, they just had so many
1: issues. Well, I think that I think that what they probably, I'm, I'm outside looking in, they probably tighten the screws on everything to a degree yeah. where maybe they shouldn't be tightened that much if you're Louisville basketball. and. You you don't need the screws out of the of the but you kind of need it loosey goosey <laughs> a little bit now
0: <laughs> yeah they were a little too loosey goosey with the with, with that but yeah that one uh, is crazy but yeah UCLA is back I mean they're a, they're a really good team if Colorado pulled the upset. Looming down the road would be Arizona. Like the path to win the Pac-12 title. Yeah, it's real. It's not easy when there's two top ten teams in your conference. So, uh, look, I'll be watching today. i'll yeah. uh, You know, I'll be I'll be curious. I'll be rooting them on. Will I be disappointed if they lose? Yeah. Will I be saying, "Hey, well, Tad's got to go"? No, of course not. That's not a game to expect them to win. Yep. Uh, we'll see how they
1: reload. Obviously, Tad's off to a what good start. What are you start. doing with those games? Uh, I think I am. I think I just got to pick one. And lay the number, uh, and I think it will be UCLA. I think I think that's the, I'm gonna of the four teams that are playing. I'm just gonna pick the best team in a sense of urgency, in a neutral environment
0: with real experience, and have them win big. Yeah, yeah, know. I, I can see it. See, you end up running away with it. CU put a lot into getting the win yesterday. You know, they had to hold on for dear life and then make some big shots down the stretch. That could go one of two extremes. That either gets you some momentum. Hey, and you played yesterday. You're hot, UCLA. You know, we'll know by the second TV timeout.
1: <laughs> so it's either that or it's
0: they left everything they had on the floor. They got their one win in the tournament and kept that streak alive, and they're done. We'll see. We'll see. All right, um, a hey, uh, Jim Beheim coaches last game yesterday. Yeah, thought I am not a big Jim Beheim guy. Neither am I. So I you're uh, the choir. I why, think Jim Beheim. Why aren't you? There have been some sleazy things with that program. Oh yeah, I mean, oh yeah, sleazy things. Yep, that bothers me. Not that you can be in control of everything that happens, but there were some sleazy things that were like really close to home that he should have been able to to have a, a closer eye on. That that part of it is the number one thing. The other part of it is I I like coaches who are able to evolve. Like Mike Shashevsky evolved, Dean Smith evolved. I think I think Jim Beheim still thinks it's yeah 1994, and he wants you to
1: think it's 94 as Correct. well. That's the thing with him; he's yeah. so domineering. Yeah, like his—he's pers- a bully. He is a bully, and that, and that's that, that's that's one of my least favorite parts about Beheim and he'll Like, belittle a, a, a 19-year-old for the student paper. Yeah, I mean, he's cursed his own student paper out like four or five times. I mean, he's he- great, Popovich, without some charm. Yeah, right. Right, right. He told the reporters just about a month ago. He yeah, like like a kid wasn't at the game. One of your starters like didn't come to the game. Where like where is like your starter? Yeah. And he didn't want to talk about it. And he told everyone I don't want to talk about it. He got a follow-up question on it and he's like belittling the reporter like this is why you're in Syracuse. Like he's belittling wow. Syracuse while like he's like isn't that so Syracuse? And that's so typical of Syracuse, isn't it? And it just makes everyone feel so uncomfortable. He's so he's a bully. He he for for many 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 years, like twenty years straight, didn't leave Syracuse for the first month of a season. And then they tell you, scream in your face, how many twenty win seasons in a row that they had. Yeah. Well, yeah, when you schedule Brown University, <laughs> at Albany, and Cornell, you know at the Carrier Dome, and, and Holy Cross, and bring them to the Carrier Dome and beat their yeah. brains in, and you yeah. start the conference schedule at fourteen and two, like, and then you know also. Like, he hit and killed someone and didn't take a night off uh, in his car in 2019. And he's been caught on camera, like, eating his boogers, like, double-digit times. And anyone who can't control themselves from
0: eating their own boogers in front of people, that's a problem for me. Yeah, when they're older than three. Yeah. Yeah. The other part of it is, too, like, in the last 12 years, I feel like I'm watching, it's like Groundhog Day, every time there's Selection Sunday, and he's upset that 19-win Syracuse didn't get in. It seems like it's always the same thing with yeah. Him. No, Jim Beheim. I know, great career, forty-seven years. That's, yeah, uh, but yeah. adios. Not going to miss him. You speak for us both. We'll see what
1: the next chapter uh, of Syracuse basketball is after almost five decades uh, under Beheim. All right, uh, it's once again the start of something big this month, and literally no one's talking about it. But we will next.